Everybody doing well? That's good. Thank you, brother. If it gets cold over there, we'll shut it. All right. We wrapped up John last week. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, you're watching a movie and you see Jesus crucified and he rose again and he's restored Peter. And and now you just say, okay, that's it. There's got to be more to the story. Guess what there is? And it's over in Acts. And we're going to move across the page to Acts this morning. Acts is a very interesting book. Um, Acts is most, everything that points to the writer of Acts is, is Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke also was a doctor. Um, and he wrote the book of Acts. Acts is kind of like the minutes of the first church. I think of Donna Bell writing our minutes each week. And, and Luke is kind of writing the minutes of what's going on in the very brand new church. Brand new believers a brand new way with Jesus Christ. Now we know that it's the only way to heaven through Jesus. And so it really takes us and it's a bridge over to what we call the epistles, which are the letters to the churches that Paul would later write. And without Acts, it really just kind of, you get over into Romans, you go, how did we get here? So Acts takes you to that place. Luke is um, probably writing this about 62 or 63 A.D., um, and he's writing it to one of the higher-ups. His name is Theopolis. You see that there in the first verse. But he's writing it to one of the higher-ups in the Roman uh, guard, a, a Greek, um, I mean a Roman. And, and he's trying to help him understand that this is really a true story. He mentioned his name at the end of Luke, and now he mentions his name at the first of, of Acts. And he's really wanting to pour out the gospel to this man. This man's trying to grasp it. He's trying to believe it. And Luke is continuing to write. So let's read together and we'll go from there as we kind of work our way through the book of Acts. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, In my former book, it's Luke writing, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now, we know in just a chapter or two, the day of Pentecost is about to happen. The day of Pentecost is a big day because that was the day that Jesus said when he was with his disciples, he said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send you a comforter. And guys, here we are 2,000 years later, and that comforter is still with us. We feel his spirit. We feel the Holy Spirit when we worship, when we pray, when we're having hard times, when we're having good times. We feel the spirit in us. When we are saved, we believe the spirit comes to dwell in us. It comes to live in us. By the way, how well are you taking care of the house that the Spirit lives? Think about that. The Holy Spirit, a member of the Trinity, is living inside of you. How well are you taking care of that house that he lives in? As we look at it, we realize that the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and it gave them power and might. It gave them insight and understanding the Scripture, and it gave them uh, the oomph the oomph to the new church to go and to preach the gospel. And this was a, a really new movement. And there was just a few people that, that had the ball here. And if they dropped the ball, guys, we're not sitting here where we're sitting today. This was so important that this group of 120 believers, you think about that. Some people believe that in that time around that area, there was somewhere between 600,000 to 4 million people in this immediate area. 600,000 to 4 million people in this immediate area where the church is starting to grow. Here's 120 people sitting in an upper room, and they're about to flip the world upside down for Jesus Christ. 
Don't tell me that a little town like Kaiser cannot do some great things for Jesus if we just let the Holy Spirit take over and take us to places we never dreamed we could go. We just don't want to sacrifice and we don't really want to get out of our comfort zone, and I'm included in that sometimes. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone, but the Holy Spirit wants to take us up. He wants to grab us up and take us to places, guys, we can never dream. And in the, in the middle of all that, people are going to come to know Christ. People are not going to have to spend an eternity in hell, and they can come to know the same Jesus that we know, and that's what this is all about. It's what the book of Acts is all about. Getting up and rising up and in the power of the Spirit, not your own power, but the Spirit and prayer. That probably is the two overlying themes of this whole book, is the Holy Spirit and the power of prayer. And every time they had something to do, they prayed. And you show me a church that has the Holy Spirit as its head and and working through it, and you show me a church that prays, and you're going to show me a church that's on fire for God. And he can do that. And that's what he was doing in this early church. This early church, the church that is why we are here today, this church was forming. After he is suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. This is talking about Jesus. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. And this is in red letters. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. That's the Holy Spirit. Wait here in Jerusalem for the Spirit. Isn't it amazing? I was reading this week. Isn't it amazing that... The very place that crucified our Lord and put him to death, whipped him beyond measure, shoved a crown of thorns on his head, and put nails through his hands and feet, and shoved a spear in his side, that's where he chose to send the Holy Spirit. It just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of hit me. I've heard that before, I knew that before, but it just kind of hit me different this week after we've studied through John and realized all that went on in this town. He said, stay right there. You know, he could have said, get out of town, go far, go 50 miles, 100 miles away. Remember, no cars or anything. Just get far away, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and then we'll come back in and attack this again. He said, no, stay right there, and I'm going to send the gift from my Father. And man, in just a few days, it was going to come, and it was going to roar in there like a mighty rushing wind, the Bible says. The kingdom of God, it says he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, there's very many issues of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, government-wise, was supposed to be the Jewish people. He came to be their God. He was their, that was his chosen people. But they turned their back on him. They chose not to accept the Messiah. And so in the future, he's going to come back and he's going to deal with them. As he sets up his reign in Jerusalem at the millennial reign in Revelation, you read about the thousand-year reign. And Jesus is going to come back and return right where he took off, right where we're reading about where he ascended here in just a minute. He's going to come back to that very place, Mount Olives, and he is going to set up his kingdom, his earthly kingdom that these disciples so much wanted him to do while he was here. Remember what they kept asking, Lord, when are you going to set up your kingdom? Lord, when are you going to set up your kingdom? When are you going to set up your kingdom? And someday for the Jewish people, he's going to come back and set up that kingdom on the Mount of Olives there in Jerusalem and set up and rule and reign this world for a thousand years from there. But there's also another part of that kingdom, and the other part of that kingdom is anyone that will believe in Jesus Christ, anyone that believes he died on an old rugged cross, anyone that believes by faith that he loved them and died for their sins, that he arose again, and he sits on the right hand of the Father right now. That is part of the kingdom that we are a part of. Anyone that believes in the name of Jesus Christ is part of the kingdom of God. And he's give us a job. Danny said earlier, what are you doing? Not what are you not doing. What are you doing for Christ? Book of Acts is what you're doing for Christ. These people were doing big things for Christ. And some of them, 
were losing their life because of Christ. We had that word in our lesson this morning, sacrifice. And you know, I looked there myself and Rick and Dylan and Garrett, Tyler, Will, and we all looked at each other and we tried to say the word sacrifice. We tried to get our mind around what the word sacrifice means, but I'm pretty sure in America, most of us don't know what the word sacrifice means. I'm not sure that I've ever given up anything. I'm not sure I've ever given up anything that was that to do more for the Lord, to do greater things for the Lord. It, it just doesn't seem like I've ever really sacrificed, took something away from myself so that others may have. It's amazing to think about the word sacrifice. We are part of that kingdom of God, guys. We are part of the kingdom. All those that believe are a part. And I'm not just talking about the Baptist. I'm talking about all the people that believe in Jesus Christ are going to be in heaven together someday. This is not just a Baptist thing. This is not a denominational thing. This is a believing in Jesus Christ thing. And so the kingdom is, is going and is being set up. Verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going, are, are, excuse me, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and also in Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And guys, right there is our battle cry as a church today in the year 2014. As a group of born-again, baptized believers, this is our battle cry, Acts 1-8. You will be my witnesses. What does a witness do? What does a witness do? A witness just tells what, he's, what he saw. You have someone in court, and they bring up, uh, Judge, I'd like to submit Todd Vincent for the first witness. I come up on the stand, and they begin to ask me questions, and I just tell them what I saw. I don't have to lead them anywhere. I don't have to try to do this or that. I just tell them what I saw. And t- guys, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ has asked us as born-again believers to go out in this world and just tell them what we've experienced. Tell them about the power of Jesus. Tell them about how he saved your soul. Tell them how he's with you when it's bad and when it's good. Tell him how he'll never leave you or forsake you. Tell him how merciful and how great and how gracious and forgiving of a God that you serve. And I'm telling you, everyone in the world needs to hear about the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers. You be a witness to that. He wanted them to be witnesses. We get so hung up on, oh, I don't... I don't know, Brother Todd, if I know all the verses to lead somebody to Christ. Oh, Brother Todd, I don't know if I know this, this form of evangelism or that form of evangelism, or I don't know if I know, I, I can't remember all the verses we learned in faith, or I can't remember all that we learned in sharing Jesus without fear. And guys, all it is is just telling them what he's done for you. We don't have no problem doing that and telling people about our children or our grandchildren. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. It's easy. And it scares us to death. It scares us to death. And you will be my witness. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. He said, I want you to start right here at home. Where do we start, Brother Todd? Where do we start as individuals? Where do we start as the First Baptist Church of Kaiser? We start right here at home, right here in Kaiser. And we, give, we begin to tell our family. We begin to tell our neighbors. We begin to tell our friends about the love of Jesus Christ. 
And then we, it says, then they moved on to Judea, which was just a little south of Jerusalem. They were a little bit different group of people, and they went and started sharing. The, they were still kind of like them, but a little different, and they began to share the gospel with them. But then God asked them, Jesus asked them to do something they really weren't ready for. He said, then I want you to go to Samaria. Now listen, if you know anything about the Bible, they hated the Samaritans. Them bunch of half-breeds over there, them people that aren't true Jews, and, and they believe all kind of things, and, and they're just the worst people that I can imagine. And, and Jesus said, but I want you to go tell them about Jesus. You see how it just got harder? You know, we like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take care of the house here. I'll take care. But he, he didn't say just do one thing. He said, I, he didn't say, I want some of you to stay in Jerusalem. I want some of you to go to Judea. I want some to go to Samaria. He said, I want you to be my witnesses where you go. In some places, you're not going to want to go. But I want you to go. And then he tops it all off. Okay, well, I, I can go down. I can go down to Memphis. That's not too bad. But then he says, and then to the ends of the earth. I want you to be my witnesses around the globe. Now, Brother Todd, use your, use your mind a minute. We're in Kaiser, Arkansas. We've we got about 700 people on a good day in this town. We got about 150 people on a good day in this church. How in the world are we going to impact somebody in Africa or Europe or Asia or China? Guys, you do it every day through giving, through the cooperative program as the money goes out to missionaries. Some of you have went. Guys, there's an opportunity coming in July this year through our own association to go to Puerto Rico and share the gospel if you'd like to go for 500 bucks. Probably one of the cheapest mission trips you'll ever experience, but you can go for $500 to, to another place, and you don't have to have a passport or anything. You can go. You can, you know, I, I told him this morning in class, sacrifice is, it's easy when we say, okay, I'll give $100 for somebody to go. Steve Kirk's going to go, so I'm going to give $100 so Steve can go to Africa. Steve said, I want you to go with me. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can raise that kind of money. That's always been my excuse as your pastor. See, I've had opportunities to go. I've had opportunities to go here and there. First of all, my wife's scared to death of me leaving anywhere, okay, to go over there. But I'd always use this excuse. Well, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And so we don't really want to sacrifice. But you know what? If I missed about three eating outs a week, you know, probably within a month I'd have enough money to go. But it's sacrifice. It's going above and beyond. It's the call that which we have been called to do. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go to Judea. I want you to go to Samaria. And I want you to go to the ends of the earth and tell people about Jesus Christ. And guys, there's a lot of ways to do that. You don't have to physically go, but what a difference it would be. And I've always heard if you ever go on a mission trip, you never quite come back the same. And we've been on some smaller trips through Fuge and things with the kids, but I've never been to a, a place where we had to sleep on the dirt or, or eat bugs, you know. You think about that. I've heard guys come back from Africa and say, man, they, they served us some bugs, and if you don't eat bugs, they, they, they think you're, you know, you're not being very mannerly. I'm afraid I'd be putting them under my rug or something, you know. I just don't know if I could eat bugs. But we think about what have we sacrificed for Jesus Christ. I think about the new church here. What they would sacrifice over the next few years would be incredible. Stephen would lose his life, and they would throw rocks and crush his skull because he believed in Jesus Christ. And as he prayed, as they were throwing the rocks and they were breaking his brains and, and his body was being crushed, he said, Lord, forgive them, 
They don't know what they're doing. That's sacrifice. That's sacrifice. How can I serve? How can, how can I do this? It says you receive power. When we give our heart to Jesus, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It's setting inside of us. It's like having a fully charged battery ready to go and we never use it. See, being saved is, is more than just having the power to pray when, when mama's sick or daddy's sick or when things are not going good. Having Jesus in our life and the Holy Spirit in our life is the power to go do amazing things for this kingdom called the kingdom of Jesus. But we're just so afraid. We're, we're so busy. We're so caught up in what we're doing. We're afraid to step out and move forward like these people did in the book of Acts. And aren't we glad that they did? Aren't we glad that they decided to stay and receive the Holy Spirit and do what God had asked them to do? There's some different ways that you can evangelize. And evangelize is just a big word for telling people the good news. And one of these ways may help you. Have you ever thought about service evangelism? Service evangelism is just going out and doing good things for people. Going out and doing good things for people. And we kind of got into that through Fuge. We would go out and we would clean people's yards. We would paint their house. We would pack boxes for the feed the children. And, and these guys that were with us, they know what it's about. Taylor and them, they know what it's about when we went. And, and they would come up to us and they'd go, why, why are you painting my house? Why, why are you cleaning up my yard? And we would say, because we just want to share the love that Jesus has shared with us. We want to just share that love with people and, and let them know we care. And we would begin to tell them about the love of Jesus, and you'd see tears come down their eyes. And they would realize that someone cared and someone loved them. And, and, and our little bit of raking the yard and painting their house, that wasn't huge, but what Jesus has done for them is huge. And so there's a way you can do that. Just do something nice for a neighbor. Do something nice for a friend or a family member. And they'll go, why are you doing this? Because I feel like God wants me to do it. Because I feel like I need to show his love. He's done so much for me. And I just wanted to show his love to you. Can I tell you about Jesus? Another way you can do it is through your life. A lifestyle evangelism. And you hear me preach about this every week till you're probably sick of it. But guys, we have got to live the life. We have got to live the life. We can't come in here and smile and sing about angel armies and sing about la, 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 la and all that and then go out this door and live like the devil during the week. We can't do that. We have a higher calling. Me, you, all of us, we have to live a life that glorifies God, that lifts him up. And I'm not talking about going out there being holier than thou and, oh, I can't touch you and, oh, I can't say that and I can't be around you and, and not shunning people. Jesus went right there where they were. But he always stayed on task. He always knew where the boundary was. He always knew what he was supposed to be doing. Lifestyle evangelism. When they look at your life and through the roughest days and the hardest days, you're able to just to pray and work your way through it. And it doesn't mean you just take everything with a smile and let everybody punch you in the face and, and just take all the hardships of life and just, oh, it's, it's easy. It's not. It's hard. This is not an easy job. This is not an easy calling. But it's a calling that you can do through the power of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. It's the power that he gives you. And we never draw on that power. We never do that like we should. There's a friendship evangelism where you go out and just make friends with people. 
You begin to spend time in their life. Guys, we are the most closed up people I've ever seen. We're so glad to get home to that couch and that easy chair. It's like we got Velcro on us. And we can't get out. When I get there at the end of the day, man, I'm, I'm stuck. And we don't go out and we don't get into people's lives. We don't go have dinner with each other. We don't go do the things with people that just need a friend. I believe we live in the loneliest country in the world. I believe we live in the loneliest country in the world. There's people sitting in their houses at night, every night in this town that are just so lonely, they're about to cry. And some of them do cry. Friendship evangelism, getting out and being a part of these people's lives. And then there's a tough one that none of us really like to go there, but there's also confrontational evangelism. There's, there's still some guys, believe it or not, that just want to hear it just like it is, and you just walk up to them and say, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Danny had that happen to him this week at the St. Louis Zoo, wasn't it, at the zoo? There was a group of teenagers there from Springfield, Missouri. They just walk right up, hey, how you doing? Hey, do you know Jesus Christ? Can you imagine going to the zoo and doing that? you imagine going to the ball game? You know, some of you got kids that play every weekend. You play every weekend. Look at the mission field you've got. Just walk around between games. Hey, how you doing? You know Jesus Christ? Well, Brother Todd, i got to go get something to eat between games. But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And you can change the world. Maybe you think, well, the world's too big. Think about this. You can change the life of one person so they do not have to spend an eternity without Jesus Christ. That's their world. You've just changed their world. Maybe we look at this thing too big. Brother Todd, world, to the ends of the world, that's so huge for me. That's so big for me. I don't quite grasp all that. I don't quite get all that. Just start by one person changing the world of that person through Jesus Christ and watch their world get rocked. And watch your world get rocked. Getting hotter in here, isn't it? Verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, this, this amazes me. Three simple verses talk about a man going up in the sky. Now, I'm telling you, if me and Rick's sitting out here after church and he starts going up in the sky, that's going to get my attention. But it's amazing to me that Luke writes it in such simple terms, just so simple. As they were standing there, Jesus just went up in the sky. Hmm. It looks like there'd be a whole book on that, you know? A guy went up in the sky. But this was no ordinary man, amen? There was a reason he needed to go back to the Father. Because, see, if he didn't come, then the Comforter couldn't come. And the Jesus, remember what Jesus said in John? He said, he's going to help you do greater things than I could help you do. And that's amazing to me. Because the first thing we always think about is Jesus. But he said, when the Comforter comes, he's going to allow you to do greater things than I could do with you. Because of the power that he has. Jesus had the same power, but the Holy Spirit was coming. 
And here they're watching him go up in the sky. You know where he went? The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says that he's there for us. The Bible says that he knows about what's going on in our life. In a few weeks, we'll read about the stoning of Stephen. And the Bible says that when Stephen was being stoned, Jesus stood up because he knew something was going on in one of his children's lives. It's very possible this week that Jesus stood up for you because you had something big going on in your life, and he wanted to realize, and he wanted you to know that he was there. Isn't it amazing? The Son of God, the great I Am, Emmanuel, Messiah, is so in tune to what's going on in our individual lives that there are times in his life when he stands up and he looks over what we're doing. But remember this, even when he's seated at the right hand of the Father, he still has all the power that he needs to take care of everything that you face. Isn't it great to know? And then the other thing of that is, he intercedes for us, which is just a big word that means when I sin, and I come before the Father, and I said, Lord, forgive me, I have sinned. Jesus stands up, and he says, Father, I died for him on the cross. I've shed my blood for Todd's sins. And, and put, put your name in there when you pray for forgiveness. I put, and I've forgiven their sins through my blood on the cross. And Father, please look on me and see my blood and forgive them their sins. And he does that. God does that. Isn't that amazing? Mm. That's the kind of God I want to serve. That's the kind of God I want to serve. He said they were looking there and they just, as any of us would, they just kept looking up in the sky. Because we all know the rule of gravity. What goes up must come down. And that's going to happen. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. I don't know when. He told them there, he said, I don't know. He said, he said Father, uh, Jesus, when are you going to come? And, when are you going to set up your, your kingdom? He said, uh, my father hasn't told me that yet. But I will. And he said, the angel said, why are, why are you looking up? You know, a, a lot of us are like this in our churches. A lot of churches are like this. We're, we're saved and we're just looking up. And we're just waiting for him to come back. But you know, you notice what I'm doing while I'm looking up? Nothing but looking up. The old preacher said, we're just sitting there waiting on the elevator to take us up. But they're just sitting there looking up. Guys, I don't want our church to just be looking up. I want us to be looking out. Looking out to help others. Looking out to do more for others. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's already stirring the waters in lots of ways. I see some things happening, some ripples. He's going to do some big things this year. He's dealing with people that you don't even know about yet. He's dealing in their lives. He's bringing them here. He's doing some great things. And you will be powered by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to go to Kaiser, Osceola, Mississippi County, Arkansas, United States of America, and Lord, does this country ever need a revival? And to the utter ends of the world, to the power of the Spirit.
That's great power. It's great power. The theme of this book of Acts is forgiveness. What they're saying is, look what happened in John. Okay, we've studied John, and we know that forgiveness is available. Now they're going to take that in this movement. The way is going to take and share that news with everyone that forgiveness is available to anyone that will ask for it. And you will have eternal life. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is available. Do you hear me this morning? No matter what you've done, no matter what you've seen, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done to someone else or they've done to you, forgiveness is available to anyone that will ask for it through Jesus Christ. Isn't that great to know this morning? Forgiveness. The power. Holy Spirit and prayer going hand to hand and moving and shaking. 120 people want a whole area to Christ. Won millions to Christ. They began the movement that brought us to this day, 2,000 years later, and now it's our time to pick up the ball that they grabbed and run with it. And I ask you to, let's do it. Let's do it together. Just a lot of you have already been doing that on a daily basis, pouring into people's lives, helping whenever they're asked. I see people all the time doing wonderful things for people. I appreciate what you do so much. People that will never walk up on this stage, people we will never stand and clap for, they're doing it because they love Jesus Christ. We don't do this for us. We do it for the glory of God. And I thank the people in this church that step up and do mighty, mighty things. But guys, there's more of us that can step up. There's more of us that can do more. And there's more of us that need to do something. There's more of us that need to quit looking up. And there's more of us that need to put our head down and let's get going. Let's get going. Let's pray. Then, Father, we're inspired by your word this morning. We're inspired by these group of 120 people that, that rock that part of the world and are still shaking the world for your good today. Lord, because of their faithfulness, because of the unity they had, the love that they had for each other, Lord, they went out and they changed the world with your power and with your love. Lord, may we realize, may this building realize that forgiveness is available this morning. We see it all through the book of John. You were talking about it. You died for us. You rose again, and you offer that to anyone that will accept it. And so, Lord, may this room know that forgiveness is there for anyone that asks for it. Lord, help us to not look up all the time. Lord, I know there's times that we wonder when you'll come back and we say, just as John said in his book of Revelation, even so come quickly, Lord. But there's other times we need to put our head down and, and keep our, our eye on the prize and keep our eye on the target. And that's winning people for Jesus Christ. Because, Lord, we can change one person's world for all the eternity with your help, with your love, with you, just showing them you, being your witness. Lord, help us to do that this week. Lord, speak to us now during this time of quiet, just a low, quiet music and just time to pray. Come to know you, Lord. Just help as people ask you questions. And, Lord, just give them answers. In your name we pray.